it's certainly good to see all that has made it out this morning and thankful for the men who have led the songs, very appropriate songs, very uh, timely songs, and the prayer that was led. I appreciate all of that, and we're so thankful to be here today. Um, I had passed out uh, earlier before service a questionnaire, uh, some questions that we're going to ask and kind of go through and apply God's word to it. If you don't have one, that's fine. We're going to have the questions up here on the um, the screen here. If you want to participate, that's fine. If you not, that's fine. If you have a pen or pencil, you can circle those. Or if you just want to keep these things to yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. These questions are intended to be pointed and to be effective. And hopefully we will be able to draw from the Word of God today based on those questions. So I want to first start. We'll go through these questions first. And... Um, We'll have some opportunity to answer those as we go through here. We'll be stuttering through Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 45. The first question, do you ever feel unclean or dirty because of something or some things you have done? There's five, choice, five choices that you have there. They're all the time, most of the time, sometimes, rarely, or never. You can circle those or answer it to yourself and move on to the next one. Question number two, do you ever feel unclean or dirty because of something or some things that someone else has done to you? Again, there's choices down below, five choices, five options. Question number three, do you ever struggle with guilt over something, you, something or things that you've done even when you know you've been forgiven? You have a low level of guilt that you deal with sometimes. You just can't seem to shake it. Something that you struggle with from time to time, rarely or never. Do you ever struggle with guilt over something or things that someone else has done to you? Do you ever struggle with some of the wrong that somebody has done to you? Do you ever struggle with shame over something or things that you have done? Do you ever struggle with shame over something or some, something that someone else has done to you? Question number seven. Do you ever feel afraid of what others might think about you if they knew things that you had done? Do you feel afraid in that way? Do you ever feel afraid of what others might think about you if they knew something or that someone else has done to you? How often do you feel that way? Do you ever feel alone because of something you've done? Do you ever feel alone because of something someone else has done to you? And these last uh, two questions are a little more specific. There's no right or wrong. If you want to answer them to yourself, that's fine. Just a few words. What have you done that has led to feeling unclean, guilty, ashamed, afraid, or alone? I just want us to be really honest with ourselves when we answer these questions. And the last question, what has someone done to you that has led to feeling unclean, guilty, ashamed, afraid, or alone? 
Just a few words to answer that, those questions, if you would. And when you think about these last two questions, um, I think sometimes we have the idea, and I, I've said it before, and I know we've prayed for it here before, is, you know, we're coming here, we want to put all the things of this world out of our lives at this time to worship God, just to come inside and worship God. But sometimes I fear that that doesn't really necessarily acknowledge God for who he is, for what he can do. We come to worship, we should be bringing all these things that are in our life and laying them at God's feet. It's authentic. If we put things of our life out of, out of the way and come here, it's really not an authentic Christianity. We've all gone through things. We have things in our life that we just need to be authentic with God about and bring Him and bring it to His feet. We should not be putting on a face before God or each other, but be honest before God and each other about the realities in our lives. And one of the things I love about the Bible is that it doesn't really shy away from pointing those things out to us. The Bible tells us exactly what's wrong with us in every point of our lives. And Jesus meets us like no one else can. And I want to, I want to show us this starting in Mark uh, 1, and we'll start in verse 29. And what we're about to read is about a 24-hour span of Jesus' life. It starts at about midday and goes through the night and, and picks up the next day. So we're looking at about a 24-hour span of Jesus' life. And um, we're going to see what Jesus uh, makes him like anyone else. And just before this, he was uh, uh, teaching in the synagogue with spiritual authority like no one else. And we see Jesus teaching with authority here. Uh, now, starting in verse 29, it says, Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. And they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she served them. And I want to make a few observations as we go through these uh, particular verses. And observation number one, Jesus has authority over disease and sickness. It's just a simple observation. Simon's mother-in-law had a fever. Jesus goes to her with uh, nothing, no Tylenol, Advil, Aleve, or anything like that. He takes her hand, he lifts her up, and by the time she's standing, the fever's gone. She's healed. Just like that. That may seem minor to some of us, but, you know, you and I can't do that. We don't have that capability. Verse 32, moving on, it says in verse 32, At evening, when the sun had set, they brought him to all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Uh, Jesus, of course, is the one who has authority over all disease and sickness, according to verse 34. And it says there in verse 34, Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, as he did. And he did not allow the demons to speak because he knew of them. Observation number two, Jesus has authority over demons. Jesus speaks and demons flee. Jesus even has authority of when they can and can't speak. And after a full day of teaching and healing and diseases and casting out, Jesus then goes to sleep. In verse 35 it says there, Now in the morning 
having risen a long while before daylight, and went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and casting out all demons. Our next observation we want to make is Jesus prioritizes time alone with God over every other thing in his day. He rises early in the morning while it's still dark and finds a desolate place and spends time alone with God the Father. And I want to ask ourselves, do we make that our priority? Is Jesus' priority our priority? Do we have different priorities than what Jesus has? And if we do, why is that? Now, I know we're busy people. I get that. We're all busy. We all have things to do. We have places to be. We got deadlines to meet. We have assignments that need to be done. But Jesus was pretty busy too, don't you think? He had a whole city at the door, and Jesus was healing as many as he seemed to be healed. That was his decision. He had so many people who were doing those. None of us have lines of people waiting out our side outside of our door every day to be healed. Jesus knew that the most important time of the day was a time alone with his Father. And if that's true for him, how much more is that true for us? And during all the important, valuable, and necessary things that we do during our day, a time alone with God is absolutely more important, more valuable than any other thing that we could do. And if we want to get up five minutes early and spend time alone with God, Praying to him, reading his word, or taking that time. You know, kid, the, the younger kids, you know, or teenagers, you know, make that a point. Make that a habit. And us as adults, let's show them how to do that. Let's be the example that we need to be for our kids. What could be more important in our day than meeting with the one who gives us breath, who causes our heart to beat, who loves us more than anyone else, who reigns over the entire universe with all authority. What more important things do we have to do than that? Jesus prioritizes time alone with God over every other thing in his day. Observation number four. Jesus prioritizes proclamation of the gospel among people in more places over meeting physical needs right around him. Notice what Jesus says Uh, when his disciples were asking, why are you out here alone in this desolate place? There are people needing to be healed. We've got work to do. Jesus says, let's go to the next town. Why? That I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. That's why I've come, Jesus says, to proclaim the gospel. And we also see this in Mark 1, verses 14 through 15. Uh, he proclaimed the gospel to more and more people in more and more places, eventually designed for all places everywhere to hear the gospel. It was not just for some people in one place to be healed of diseases and delivered from demons. No, that was not Jesus' mission. It was Je if Jesus' priority is that, why not make that our priority? Why don't we work together here in this congregation 
to get the news of the gospel out. Not just here, but the entire world. What happens in Jesus as uh, he leaves, uh, when he leaves uh, alone time, time alone with his father to go a new place, uh, verse 40, it says, moving on, it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down at him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to no anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction." There's a lot that we could observe here with significant implications uh, for the questions that we asked earlier. There's so many here. A, a leper came to Jesus, and in that term, a leper in the Bible is used, uh, it, it describes a very uh, disgusting and, and very bad uh, skin disease um, that we can read about. It could even attack someone's nervous system at the point of infection and set in, t uh, tissues disintegrate, limbs fall off. And the body, body was literally starts to wither because of leprosy. And leprosy was more than just a, a disease that needed to be healed. Uh, did we know, I want to notice here the word healed here is not used once. It's not used in the, sor the story. The leper doesn't ask to be healed. The Bible doesn't say that he was healed. Instead it says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Not healed, but cleaned. And that word is repeated in every verse that we read in this little passage. Clean, cleansed, clean, cleansed. And it's because to be a leper, if you were a leper, you were unclean. You were dirty. Leprosy was more than just a physical condition. Leprosy was a dreadful way of life that they had to go through. In Leviticus 13 and 14 in the Old Testament, it describes that if you had leprosy, you lived in shame, you lived alone, you had to stay a far distance from anyone else around you. If for some reason someone got near you, you were required to yell, unclean, unclean, to let everybody know around you that you were a leper, that you had this disease. And I think we can imagine the physical and social and mental and emotional and even spiritual struggles that someone that had leprosy could go through. Leprosy was actually... Uh, uh, represented as, as sin itself in the book of Isaiah. Lepers were looked upon as the living dead. If you had leprosy, you could not touch or even be close to your family, friends, or loved ones. You couldn't be around them. I think that we can identify with that a little bit today with COVID that we've been dealing with. You know, people want to six feet apart, social distance. You know, if you've been unvaccinated, you know, make sure you wear a mask or don't get near me. You know, we have that in a sense, in a way, not to the degree of leprosy, but I think we can identify that uh, a little bit. People around this leper, you know, you could imagine him coming through this crowd. Uh, 
you know, he has to yell unclean, unclean as he goes through this cloud and people around him start parting like the Red Sea or running away from him, pulling their kids away, shouting for everyone else to do the same. And he comes up to Jesus, falls on his knees and implores him, saying, if you are willing, not if you are able, but if you are willing, this guy, this leper knew that Jesus was able. He knew Jesus was able to do this. And he was moved with compassion. This word compassion right here, very interesting word. If you actually look at some of the other translations, I believe it's the NIV. Instead of the, it saying compassion here, it says anger. Jesus was moved with anger. And I thought, how in the world could two different versions have two almost polar opposite words? And this is part, one of the rare areas in the Bible where, from the old manuscripts where a couple of the old manuscripts uh, conflict in this. But I started to think, you know, well, they can actually maybe go together a little bit if we think about it. Um, when you have someone in your life that is hurting or suffering or going through something, your heart aches for them. It feels for them. And at the exact same time, whatever you hate in this fallen world that we live in that causes this disease or hurt to come upon somebody, that causes a little bit of anger. But the difference between Jesus and us, you know, that's when we're in situations like that, we, we feel that way because we're so helpless because we can't help that loved one that is near to us because of whatever they're dealing with. When we see this person that we love is hurting a child, a parent, a friend, a spouse. We want to change it. We want to take it away, but we can't. And the difference is Jesus is able and willing to do something about that. And look at what Jesus does. Instead of turning around from this man like everybody else, Jesus turns to him. He doesn't speak like we see in other miracles. Jesus could have said a word. He could have had a thought. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. But Jesus instead moved with pity, he stretched out his hand. And, Jesus, and the Jewish law says, do not touch a leper. You can't do it. That's what the Jewish law states. To touch a leper would to be, become unclean yourself. To touch a leper would be to join that leper in his uncleanness and shame. But Jesus, Jesus stretched out his hand. He stretched out his hand and touched him. He blew the doors off of Jew Jewish law. He just, he turned it upside down. He did, he did exactly what they expected him not to do. And it's just amazing to me. And we could imagine the crowds gasping in horror as Jesus, you know, now defiled himself. And Jesus, Jesus says, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Can we imagine what that may have looked like? You know, just picture it in your mind. You know, the shriveled, stained skin on your hand or maybe loss of uh, fingers or whatever it may have been that this guy was dealing with and immediately gone, clean, normal skin, shame instantly removed. And the man looks around him and realizes, realizes for the first time in a long, long time that he doesn't have to yell out anymore when he's coming around. 
For the first time in a long time, he's not alone. He's not afraid. He sees his friends. He sees his spouse, maybe. He sees a child, and he's able to hug his family again, to have that connection. There's no one like Jesus. No one can do that but Jesus. And then Jesus tells this man to go to the priest in the temple according to, the, in, to God's law and the old covenant in order to be officially declared clean. Jesus tells him not to speak about this anymore. And we see this, of course, multiple times when Jesus performed miracles to kind of, you know, keep it to yourself. But, of course, this guy couldn't keep, contain himself. He had to go tell everybody about what Jesus had done. So I want to go back to the questions that we asked here earlier. Do you ever feel unclean or dirty because of something you've done? What about feeling unclean or dirty because of something someone else has done to us? Do you ever struggle with guilt over something you've done? What about shame over something you've done? What about fear of what others might think of us if they knew the things that we have done? Do you ever feel alone because of something you've done? And in just a few words, describe what you have done that's led you to feel unclean, guilty, ashamed, afraid, or alone? What has someone else done to you that has led to feeling unclean, guilty, ashamed, afraid, or alone? I could imagine of some of the things that may go through our heads when we ponder these questions. And I just want to summarize by saying that we are living in a broken and fallen world and we are hurting people in one way or another. There are things in my life that you all don't understand. There's things in each individual's life that's going on that I don't understand. And we can't just put on a face all the time and worship God and be fake about it. We need to be authentic to our worship towards God. That's what God wants. God wants the raw us. We all feel these things in some measure. And I, I would submit that if any of us don't feel those things, maybe we're in the most dangerous position of all. You know, because we have all done things. We've all done things for which we are guilty before God and of others. Denial may be, you know, the drug of our choice. Covering up some of these things. But God makes it clear that his, in his word that all have fallen short. In Romans 3, 23. We're all fallen people, fallen families in a fallen, sinful world. And the first step towards healing and wholeness, health, is realizing that. So where is the one who is able and willing to make us clean? And the good news of the Bible is that there is one, the one, that God sent. And that is Jesus. That is why he came. He came to make us clean, to take all the sins in our life. And, and take it upon himself and become sin himself for us. He has authority over all disease, with all authority over all demons. He's come to proclaim the good news to all people in all nations, no matter who you are or what we have done. All of us are sinners. And, and so how can Jesus, who is perfectly true, who is perfect in every way, how can he declare any of us innocent when we are all guilty of sin? How can Jesus give any of us honor when we all deserve judgment for our sin? How can any of us have eternal life with God when all of us in our sin warrant eternal separation from God? And the answer is what makes Jesus unlike any other that we have ever seen. And it's this, why the story of Jesus and the leper is actually 
pointing us to a much greater story about Jesus in our lives. The leper who was humble and bold enough to come to Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the leper in order to make that man clean. And in a much greater way, he stretched out his hands on the cross and took all the sin and uncleanness of those who, who believe his gospel. And he paid the price, the whole price, the only price that could be paid. And that is the gospel. We have talked about, of course, things that we have done and things that maybe others have done to us, things which we've done that leave us feeling unclean, guilty, ashamed, afraid, alone. It may look a little different in your lives than it does from mine. But the, the, the stain of sin is all over all of us. And there are things in this you know, world that we've experienced when it comes to suffering, disease, sickness, struggles. We live in a world that offers all kinds of avenues to get rid of these feelings. You know, just work hard. Work harder and you'll get through it. Stay busy more. Keep working. Maybe get another job to occupy your time. Or maybe get a little, little more busier in the church. Do more religious things and you'll, you'll get through these struggles. And as hard as we try, it's still there, right? All, the, all that work that we put in is still there. All those things that we deal with is still there. Because the reason is because we're looking to a fallen world for something that it cannot take care of. There is no one, no matter how great the relationship is, who can take away our uncleanness and make us feel clean in this world. But the good news of the Bible is that the pure and holy one, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, has come to us, lived a perfect life among us, and willingly chose to suffer on a cross for us and shed his blood at the price for our sin. So that when we decide to follow the gospel, no matter what we've done, no matter how afraid we might be, no matter what others may think about us, Jesus knows about that and has taken it all upon himself. He defiled himself, became sin for ourselves, that we might become the righteousness of God, free from sin. That's good news. That's great news. Maybe we're still thinking, I've still got some suffering in this world. You know, I still struggle with sickness and disease. I've prayed for healing for my disease, but it's still there. I've experienced this. This person did this to me. I can't get it out of my mind. Whatever it may be, you know, these are realities that we deal with. Beyond what Jesus has done to pay the price for our sins, when Jesus went to the cross as well, he suffered our sins too. He didn't just die for our sins. He suffered for, on our behalf. He died on the cross. He experienced death in our place. And in doing so, he was saying to all who believe and follow him and are baptized for the remission of their sins, that whatever we experience in this world, whatever we suffer with, experience, disease, sickness, or anything else that anybody has ever done to us, those things don't define us. That's not who we are. Those things that the world thinks about us is not who we are. They don't define us. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave, and he's coming back one day. We know this. And on that day, he's going to take all of our sorrows and all of our troubles and all of our cares and hurt and anger, us feeling alone. That's going to be gone in the blink of an eye. You know, I, I, I think of some of the things that you know, members here in this congregation have gone through and are going through and deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, it's 
it's encouraging to know that one of these days, it's all going to be taken care of. We won't even think about those things anymore because we'll be worshiping our God in heaven forever and ever and ever. It may not be on our time. You know, we pray for these things and think, okay, prayer is going to take care of this. God knows the time. It may not be now. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next year. But one day, even when it's on his time, when he calls it into this world, all that pain is going to be gone. And that's good news. No one else but Jesus can heal our deepest hurts. Take, take, take that which is unclean and make us clean. Take that which is guilty and make us innocent. Take that which is, is ashamed and bring us honor. That can remove fear and reconcile us into the relationship with our Creator. Only Jesus. If only we would be bold and humble enough like the leper and come to Jesus. Knowing that He is willing and He is able. If we put all of our pride aside and come to him, if we choose to obey Jesus and have him be Lord in our life today, we have a means of baptism for the remission of our sins. We can facilitate that today here in this building. And then for all of those who, you know, who have chosen to obey the gospel of Christ, for all, all those who follow him and call him Lord of our life, I'm not presuming in any way that there's not a battle that we deal with every day. That sometimes these feelings are real. And it's a blessing that we receive when we're in the church. You know, we have the blessing of brothers and sisters around us to help us get through those things. That's a, that's a huge blessing in the church. Applying gospel help and healing to each other's hearts and minds day after day as we share life with each other week after week. And if there is someone here who is in need of any type of prayers or needs to make a public confession to rid us of those sins, we ask you to please come and do so as we stand and sing at this time. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.